Hello there, Beard here. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, handy listeners, such as you are. Uh, over the past week, you will have seen the first batch of free Cities Draft rookies. You have seen the blogs from Steam Forge, and hopefully, you know, if you've been paying attention, listen to Panzer, Connor, and myself wax lyrical about our super hot takes. But I am joined today by uh, Chief AI at Steam Forge, Mr. Jamie Perkins. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Rich. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Chip. Very well. Um, yeah. I wanted to invite on once more to Beardpod to discuss more sort of the, the design philosophy behind these changes or these introductions of new players. Yeah. Um, it's called Free Cities Draft last year, sort of culminating at SteamCon. Fantastic community project that we've seen, in, you know, similar to the ones we've seen in the past, but very, very different because presumably a lot of the the character and almost the the flavor of the characters was nailed down before the draft even happened uh yeah certainly i mean at least uh, we had a lot of ideas in our heads of where the characters were going to go Sherwin spent quite a lot of time coming up with the different characters and we batted a few ideas back and forth uh he, he me and bryce got to throw a couple of and matt as well got to throw, throw a few ideas into the pot as well um like the inspiration for for cammy for instance was that i was fascinated by this idea of like uh um sort of eastern slash asian and oriental inspired sort of um gunslinger sort of hong kong cinema yeah um for instance that was one of the ones i got thrown to the bottom the majority of them have come from from sherwin but yeah we we had some ideas of where each one was going to go uh beforehand and it was it was a hell of a lot of fun to do we we spent quite a lot of time discussing the various characters and it took a lot more setup to do this draft than the previous one just because we wanted to with the previous draft when it was uh i wasn't draft was it with the previous um you know, with union the chains. Uh, union chains, thank you. Yes, uh, it was we knew there was existing characters, so we knew mm. that there would immediately be a buy-in for everyone wanting to get involved, and there's a there's a sense of loss there for if they didn't get a character that they wanted uh, because they knew kind of what the kind of character they were going to get into. Yeah. Whereas with this new free Sisters draft, we weren't so sure because these are brand new characters, people that people aren't the uh, characters that customers aren't familiar with, customers but a fan base aren't familiar with, <laughs> and that uh, God sales speech I've been spending so much time in the marketing office um and so we basically want to make sure that it was something that people would get behind um and and uh, like i i remember for instance being quite skeptical the first mm. time we spoke about it because i was really worried about that people just wouldn't care uh but then okay. was really pleasantly surprised by that people really loved you know getting behind these characters and getting scripts of them with based on when you think about it so little knowledge when you had a headshot and a bit of story and people really got to grips with the characters and were like oh, i want this character this character sounds fantastic and it was, it was great yeah, to see. no um, more sort of exemplified than in amber both the the farmers guild community and the brewers guild community sort of vying for for amber's attentions in that kind of farmers very much going to go oh we'll give her a home like she you know, you know she can come and join us kind of thing and the brewers players almost taking up sort of a path of redemption of like oh we forgive you you know you can you know know nothing more about about this last at that point other than the fact that she'd been kicked out yeah. but that was enough that was enough to sort of like capture people's imaginations and to have them registering games in a furora and there absolutely were some um there, there definitely there definitely were some um 
can't think of the right way to phrase this. Like, uh, we wanted to push certain rookies in certain in, in certain ways, and obviously sure. it's entirely possible for a rookie to end up anywhere. The only one that we were really really worried about is if the blacksmiths got hold of Flea, because <laughs> because you know having, <laughs> having they don't have mascots, any mascots. That been, exactly that would be a real problem to find <laughs> trying to fix that. Uh, and I'm glad that we didn't have to have to work with that problem. But but genuinely, all the rest of the other rookies could have ended up anywhere, and it would have been fine. Mm. Uh, but there were a couple of ones that we definitely pushed in certain ways to, with the story uh, and with the bits and pieces of information that we did give people. So, for instance, we Cutlass, knew, I guess. We, Cutlass is one, I guess, but it's actually more to do with Lane and Amber mm. in the sense that we absolutely knew that the Brewers would want to try and get Amber back. Um, okay. for, or, or at least that we certainly had a strong feeling that they would want to. Um, because it's almost a sense of loss. Like if someone says this is a character mm. that was part of your guild and they're not anymore, but you've got a chance to get them back. And most people kind of like a redemption story or sure. don't. nobody likes the sense of loss of losing something that they feel they had. Uh, and at the same time, we, we, we were quite um, confident in the fact that if we put into the lane story that we basically said to the butchers you don't want this character or you shouldn't get this character <laughs> we knew that that would kind of get their backs up and go fine we'll take him then all right well good then because we kind of hoped you would <laughs> in some ways, or, or at least Sherwin did me and bryce me and bryce you're, you're showing your mortician's roots there jamie with yeah your, with your manipulation yeah, yeah. well i guess a little bit but to be honest most of it came from Sherwin. and remember mm. Sherwin is the is you know being the grand author of all that including opulus that makes you know, people people forget that sometimes when people think about me and going oh yeah he's the mortician control player absolutely it's true but don't forget who wrote the character in the first place <laughs> <laughs> so we spoke at the playtest last year which is for the season four playtest because we were talking about um veteranox and and there's me sort of going he should have goad you should totally give him goad and you're going no like butchers should never have hard control Right. Which, is a con- which is a conversation that I've referenced a number of times, but it was a, a, a very seminal conversation that I had to understand the design space of each guild. Yep. So with, with with that in mind, if you're suddenly... You have an idea, I imagine, or I say you here as the, the the development team as a whole, which of course is you know, is growing and growing and growing. And it's like you know, an enormous team now, I'm sure. Yep. Um, of the design spaces that you expect a butcher's player a farmer's player to be and that in your mind if you know if you were given a complete blank slate i suppose like you were at the when with the introduction of players like locus and brain pain and memory was that end of season two beginning of season three i forget exactly when that happened that the next time we introduce a butcher's player i want them to be x kind of a thing uh, i imagine that's you know already some stuff that you've got penciled in your brain even if it's just very, well, it's, very, it's, very it's written down. It's not something that we'll ever, you know, mm. show the public. But it is something we, we, it, we. It's when when you're working in uh, design development, when you're working on uh, expansions to an existing game, it's always a good idea to write down any assumptions that you're making beforehand or yeah. design guides. Uh, you, you know, I always work on the premise that you want to find your boundaries as quickly as possible because once you found your boundaries, you know, literally the extent to which your ideas can be pushed. Mm. Um, so one of the ways in which we do this is by having uh, officially written down uh, definitions of what we expect each guild to be, uh, gotcha. and and that will therefore help us design players. We'll, mm. we'll come up with an initial design. If we like the uh, the concept, we'll make up an initial card and then have a look at that and then compare that back to the guild overviews, uh, as we call them. And mm-hmm. if then if they are dramatically different or they're not matching that in in one of the key pillars of those guilds, then or the, of that guild, sorry, then we have to go back and question it and go back to redesign it. It's, it's, an, it's something else that helps us ensure that we stay within the lines of the accepted parts of the Venn diagram, I guess. Um, no, that makes sense. I so, imagine. So we, sorry, go on. I imagine we could probably hazard a guess at 
a number of those things you know the concept of a brewer's playbook yeah uh, the idea yes. that you know all butchers all butchers momentous results or sorry all butchers damage results are momentous you know there's there's going yeah. to be little things that we could probably pinpoint and go okay this is a defining feature of x farmers have two on one you know that kind of thing but i also imagine right. there's a lot within that mood book for a guild for one of a, a better expression that we don't know about yeah, there's there's, a, there's some pretty obvious factors. There are some less obvious factors. Cool. Um, so so no, when you're then big. presented with um, a player which is in a position which may not necessarily fit the design space of a guild, um, I'll use Lane as an example um, before we come on to talk to Lane, but it's an interesting one of going, here is a butcher striker. How do you make him both a striker and a butcher? Well, there's, a, there's even a further point than that because Matt really mm. set down the goal. He loves doing this. He loves laying down the goal and going, <laughs> I'm going to give you a challenge and you've got to figure out a way it can work. And we're like, yep. fine, thanks. And then just publicly in front of everyone at the, Ste- at the SteamCon, uh, the reveal of you know the free city draft results at Steam- the SteamCon uh, keynotes. Mm-hmm. And just without telling us he was going to do it, <laughs> just said, by the way, he's going to be a better striker than Shark. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs> and we thought, you know what would be awesome about Lane is if we had a striker who had the potential be a better striker than Shark. Particular quote, I remember standing up and going, come on! I think the, the favourite one was, he's going, I'm going to say something, and you stood up, and you were ready to, and it, I, it was like, the next thing we're doing is going to be a household name, and I could just literally see you going, that's acceptable. All right, fine. I'll I'll sit back down again. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to interfere. <laughs> so, but so how is that? Does that make it more challenging? Sort of being sort of pushed outside of that design space. Does that make it more? Or is it an enormous pain in the Frankly, if someone goes right, do make a butcher striker that's better than shark. Go. Yeah. It's it's kind of all of the above. Uh, it's mm. a bit of a pain at first, but then when you when you start to unravel it and find a couple of bits and pieces of putting it together, then it starts to become really interesting and fun. Uh, yeah. And and it's really it's always very cool to add something to it. It's always the aim to add something to a guild that they didn't have before, but it has also got to be something they're allowed to have within their constraints, within their design constraints, mm. and being able to. Being able to find those bits and pieces that you didn't know existed before is a very fun challenge. Um, sometimes it can be a real head scratcher. There are certain guilds that we spend a long, long time thinking about because it's a, it's, that space seems to be a bit small. You could call it design space if you want, but design mm. space seems to be a bit more constrained in certain guilds than others. Um, <clears throat> but, but in certain cases, it's a bit easier. Uh, and it's, and it's, you know, it's, it always ends up being really fun, but sometimes it's a bit of a head scratcher. Okay, interesting, interesting. So then, well, let's have a look at the rookies themselves. Um, I believe we've got them both in the same document in front of us. So let's have a little look at Lane, certainly one of the most vied over um, rookies from the draft. Um, one of those sort of headlining acts, which makes sense given how much uh, he's forefront in the story. Um, obviously, they are butchers already have a striker in in brisket. Um, so how do you make Lane not brisket, if that makes sense? That is uh, that is a problem we thought about for quite a while. Mm. Uh, um, there are some things that we that we knew we could bring into Lane that weren't already there in the butchers, and and 
and that's mainly because Briskets is a season one model. She's uh, she's had some changes since mm-hmm. the, since season one of the game. She's a couple of changes that happened to her, but overall she's kind of remained working in a very similar manner that she always has. She's a very straightforward striker. Um, she has quite often a naturally high defense and armor, um, which makes it an unpredictable movement. Makes it quite difficult to get the ball off her. So she's good at holding the ball as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, not that tricky. Just a good little ball of stats, really. Mm. Um, and and not many things like combination results apart from dodge and damage. So we knew that was there was a couple of the more later creations in Gilball in Gilball's life that we we could bring in onto lane, such as combination playbook results, um, which some are visible, some are not so visible, depending on which side of the card you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew that we could bring in some of the more complicated, complicated, you know, uh, more recent developments, I guess. Uh, than th- into the game and on top of that we knew that the main thing that we needed to do was address this address this at least it was in the forefront of our mind we need to address this challenge that Matt had set to us in front of everyone at SteamCon and the thing is people <laughs> might not remember people might not remember it because the, overall there was only a couple hundred people in that room and there's more people than that that play Gilball in the world so not mm. everyone might have been aware of it but it was certainly at the forefront of our minds that we had to meet this challenge <laughs> when yep. we were designing Lane and we determined the way in which we were going to do that was by letting him roll a bananas a potentially bananas number of kick dice because <laughs> makes sense if you if we, we basically decided to diagnose the problem and go so he said better striker than shark what does mm. that question mean what does that mean <laughs> what does that mean yeah. does that mean a better we, goal we, scorer better dodger yeah mm. exactly obviously what we couldn't do is we couldn't make shark 2.0 and just have him be shark in every way we couldn't make mm. a better version of shark that obviously wouldn't fit inside the guild in the slightest but yeah. we could take one of those aspects and make him better better than Shark, at least one of those things. And one of the things that would be much simpler to do is the number of kickbacks. And you can link that quite easily into the into how the butchers operate by making him uh, gain more kick dice each time he damages an enemy model, and then suddenly you're in a much more comfortable design space for where the butcher's guild already sits. Yeah, that, and it's also just comedy trying to think about how many dice you can roll in a single kick. Now, <laughs> this is one of the things that we expect people are going to have a bit of a strong reaction to at first, until they realise it. Actually, once you start getting above sort of four or five dice for a normal kick, and then once you start getting above sort of six dice for a snapshot it doesn't really matter anymore like mm. you could you can get oh i can i can do this i can put i can put um berserk on him from veteran ball and then i can get him up to like 12 kick dice cool once you get past sort of five six you're adding mm. like 0.025 or whatever it is percentage chance of to hit with your kicks and it just yeah. isn't it's not worth the effort anymore it's comedy and it's definitely better on snapshots because the scaling is higher because obviously you need the two hits sure but it's something that's there more for for comedy value than anything else, or if you just really, really want to make sure you definitely hit the kick. Mm. Um, but it's definitely something that we expect to be a strong reaction to initially. <laughs> I mean, I think that's um, that's I think that's almost now something to put into your mood book of you know, the design brief of the butchers. Is that the initial response should be, "Oh my god, what the hell have they done?" Um, and it's only yeah, when yeah. you sort of see it on the table and and get used to seeing it, playing it, and playing against it, you realise, oh, okay, no, that's not quite what I thought as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then when you get to a player that's kind of more or less hopefully on the money, then you kind of don't get that reaction. You, mm. you, get, you get veteran gutter, and people are like, oh, she's exactly what we asked for. Well, that's a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so... so um, so, so we decided to take Lane, I guess, in a, in a slightly more dynamic manner, and that's obviously he's got quite a lot. He's got he's got a slightly better access to, I guess, to dodge moves uh, uh, than than Brisket, only slightly, yeah. I guess. Um, 
and the fact that he's obviously got the Bible acrobatics as well is important as well. Or sometimes he doesn't even have to pay for it. But he's a, he's definitely a bit more of a an aggressive glass cannon. Um, definitely mm. a lot more easy to bring down than briskets. And just in these instances, in these ways, we just thought we can add something that's a bit different to the butcher's game style or play style. And it means that you've got an alternative choice for maybe what kind of striker you want in the butcher's. Yeah. Know. And it's interesting because, uh, yes, the, that um, blood on the cleats or bleed the cleats, that's certainly you know something that draws the eye immediately. Um, and I can see you know, people trying to pin ball off players up the pitch, getting that just that momentous one uh, dodge on one, uh, which is going to be a f- phenomenal result for him Bef- <clears throat> um, to try and pin ball the way up the pitch to get as much and not as much, not just only as much distance, but also as many kick dice as possible. But then, of course, it occurs to me that every single one of those attacks that he's going to be making to try and bounce off other players is, is an opportunity for counterplay from, from me as his opponent, which I really like that fact that mm. he's going to try to be doing all these sort of things. Um, yeah, it's almost spot prize worthy, isn't it? Who can score the first seven <laughs> dice, um, seven dice kicks that goal. But each one, if I have the momentum or if I've got poised players or things like that, is going to be, but this is my chance to stop you. And I really, I, I quite like that. I quite like the idea that he's going to want to be super flashy, but that could well be his his undoing, which is really nicely in keeping with uh, with the story that Sharon put together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and he's got a little bit, he's got a little bit of tech to help him do that as well. And the fact that he's got that easy access, that that lovely result on the first playbook result, which is a momentous uh, one damage and dodge. So it'll yeah. help get momentum. It will I'll say, well, help. It will get you momentum. It triggers bleed the cleats, and obviously mm. it's a dodge move, trying to actually get around the board, get towards the goal as well. Um, and the fact that uh, he's got quite a, a very very low help pool means that people might even get in the habit of potentially just counter attacking him just to put damage on him. And, uh, yeah. and it's not, not something people do very often, but given he's got such a low health pool it's actually not a terrible option um but knowing that this thing is probably going to happen to lane is why he's also got close control is because it, that will help him go into those situations have those extra attacks to get believe the cleats up and get close to the opposing goal but take, take the occasional counter attack absorb a bit of damage but it also means people aren't just going to get oh spiked up and got a cheeky tackle result well luckily he's got a little bit of tech for that to allow him to play his game sure um without it getting ridiculous mm. um magic touch as well like, I mean, we've seen a similar thing with thuggery on Everest and Greed. Um, mm. We're adding a knockdown to every result, but adding a tackle to every result—that's spectacular. <laughs> like, it's, um, I suppose, it's easier than just writing an additional T on every single column. Yeah, we've definitely thought about it before, but yes, it, it's it just makes the playbook look nicer, and it also means that we've got the option. So when when during development, playbook results are one of the things that shift around quite commonly um, because they're one of the sort of smaller levers that we can pull on players to push them Mm. up and down Um, and adding magic touch on the back of the card for lane allowed us the freedom to put naturally comboed results on the front of his playbook so because magic touch allows him to have that tackle dodge on the first column and the thing is a tackle three damage on the last column because Mm. you can't you physically just can't put three different things into a playbook result or it starts to look really really silly Um, whereas this effectively gives you that result without giving you the horrendous looking playbook on the front of the card so it's it's um it, it gives us more design freedom. So the magic touch is actually one of the earlier things that we did so that we could change the playbook and give the freedom okay. to do so when we, when, when we needed to is what mm. I'm trying to get out. And so presumably that tackle tackle on three is just an instant burn of close control. Yes, absolutely. That's absolutely. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, with Get On With It Boy, uh, there's shades of tutelage in here, but with the addition of condition removal. Yeah. Um. 
very very fitting given his uh, relationship with ox the fashion that ox just sort of takes him under his wing immediately um presumably this is going to work on both versions of ox uh, uh it should do yes it will yeah so both um, captain and and veteran squaddy ox yeah um, equivalent equivalent rules like um the, the one that friday has got for extra defense near spigot works on either version of spigot so it should yeah it should be yeah. fine I mean, but it, it was the intention here really to sort of ramp up that relationship with the the mentor figure of Ox, and to make him stronger with one particular captain over another. Um, I mean, the second part of that's not necessarily true because I guess because of the existence of Vetronox. Um yeah. But it, this one was the most uh, backstory influenced rule by by a long way because obviously this is Ox showing that he is mm. Lane's sponsor. Um, and helping him deal with his difficult past. And this allowed us to do a couple of different things in terms of Lane's design. It, may, it may allowed us to really keep him as a glass cannon model because he's got a little bit of flexibility in terms of how he deals with conditions and also mm-hmm. that he can get away much more easily from dangerous situations when he can take a free dodge. In fact, against Shadowlag, I guess. So Ripley yeah. would, would, could swap Acrobats with Shadowlags if he wants it for free. Um, and means that whilst he does have a, a low health pool, he's got a couple of different bits and pieces so that people are kind of going to have to take him out in one go or you might not get another chance. Um, mm. And also happens to represent Storyline very well at the same time. Really reminds me of Shank. Um, just sort of look, the feel of the character that's you know four row mm. defense low defense the, I mean you keep saying it's a low health pool but as a mortician's player I keep looking at it and going that's pretty average as far as I'm concerned yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and uh, the you know the viable dodge so yeah it, it, it's nice because he, he feels like a butcher he certainly feels more like yeah he doesn't look or feel like ox or tenderizer in the center of the pitch but he does feel like that um, the, 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 the a sort of cross between brisket and, and, and shank um, which yeah. is somewhat unexpected excellent um, anything else on lane before we move on uh, I don't think so really just um, just really interested to see what people's reaction is to him and hope, uh, mm. hope people like him excellent so Amber then uh, first round uh, number one pick uh, off to the farmers now farmers are ones I again I'm, I'm theorising here that probably have a very very well defined um guild philosophy like you because they're so recently done because they've so recently been changed as well that you you kind of know yeah. exactly what you want from a farmer's player yeah so they're they're in i'm gonna just step away from talking about amber for a second just talk about sort of farmers yeah, yeah, absolutely. one of them it is a is a big portion of hindsight <laughs> which is a, is a, is difficult to get away from at the best of times and impossible to escape from when you're a game developer um is <laughs> one of the things that we probably did sort of by not by accident but one of the inverted commas design mistakes i guess of the farmers and blacksmiths overall is we had a concern that we were not sure whether we had enough um design space in the game to give them unique rules and make them different from existing guilds and we obviously categorically proved ourselves wrong Mm. because there's probably there are probably more unique elements within both the blacksmiths and the farmers than there are in any number (laughs) anywhere else yes yeah um so yes what i'm going around to is yes is there's, there's definitely one of the more easily just definable um guild overviews for the for the farmers and the blackness as well mm. um so what we knew that amber was coming in but although she was an attacking you know she's one of the midfield roles which is perhaps one of the more nebulous and you know you know what a strike is going to do you know what a goalkeeper is going to do but the midfielders can largely be anything you want them to be i'm guessing um so what was the like the what was lacking from 
from the from the farmers as a as a guild that you you wanted the amber to fill. So, apart from Thresher, I guess as that as a as a single model, but obviously he's a captain, so he's in his own category. But yeah. within the squaddies for the for the farmers, they unexpectedly, uh, not expectedly, sorry, they entirely expectedly suffer hmm. from not having many all rounders. They're all seem to be quite specialists at one thing or another. There's not many okay. of them that sort of just generally play very well. Mm. Whereas there, there, there seem to be these models in most of the other guilds. Even if they're not, they're kind of jack of all trades, master of none. Um, and Amber certainly trying was trying to fit a little bit of this, where she got the left boot rule, so she can kick reasonably well, can get herself a, a you know a, a two eight a three eight kick, sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our, if one of our own triggers, then suddenly she turns into a bit of a monster damage dealer. But she's not these things. She's not all of these things at once, and she's not all of these things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she can kind of do either job reasonably well if she needs to. Mm-hmm. And she can flex quite well. And this inflexibility uh, is sometimes co- well, still causing the, f- the farmers to occasionally have quite static player selection problems. Mm. Um, you're, you're often getting um, one team with a couple of flex spots, maybe for Thresher and the same thing for, for Grange. Uh, and we're th- uh, one of the, the overall aims, the long-term aims for farmers is to try and break this down as much as we can. We did a little bit of good work of that with mm. the jump from season three to season four. Um, but ultimately we didn't, we didn't widen that player selection as much as we would have hoped to. So it's still a long-term aim to try and do that with the farmers over time. Gotcha. Um, one of the ways in which we're trying to do that with, with Amber is by giving them a bit more of an all-rounder. Okay. Um, that can slot in at different places where sometimes in some games you decide, actually, I need, I need all of my specialists. I don't really need an all-rounder. And in other games you'll be going, actually, I need to change my plan up on the fly, so I'm going to need to take Amber as an, as an all-round player. Gotcha. Uh, if, that, if that kind of thought process makes some sense. No, absolutely. And it's interesting you mention, because she does have that, that history with the Brewers. She is wearing Friday's ribbon on her cut. Lovely detail in the artwork there. Enjoyed that. So the fact that one of her own event then effectively gives her a brewer's playbook i thought was really really nice um but it's a, a like a part of her past that needs to be activated rather than something that's there the entire time um yeah. left boot very interesting how that's going to interplay with grange's aura yeah yeah just for you know these these absolute howitzer goals coming in from from deep within the pitch but also one thing I know is certainly that that low momentous tackle result on on Amber, which is going to be, I would imagine, very well received for, by farmers players. Who, if they have lamented anything, it's going to be lack of ball retrieval. So that's, I think, particularly yeah. with the the combined um, result with this new swerve shot, which is hilarious. Um, uh, to the uh, to, to, to to ignore intervening models. Um, so I can I can really see her filling a hole, um, but not necessarily a hole that people are aware of. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think it's a fair way to put it. I think you'll find people that just put her on the pitch because they go, "I want to use her because she's cool and she's new, and the model's fantastic, and you know, and she was our pick in the draft, and all of these things." And yeah, you know, there's a lot to recognise on 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 her card that makes her very intrinsically farmers. The 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 average yeah. defence, the no armour, the high health. Um, and then just a swathe of momentous results. Yeah, the, the other thing as well is is that both with the momentous results as you as you pick out there, and, and for another reason, she's a little bit of consistency where they the, it's possible the farmers might have wanted some. Um, so if okay. you think about their squaddy reapers, you've got I guess Tater who is 
um, bringing a pretty, well, a very consistent two damage for every attack playbook, and obviously the counter charge is nice as well. Yeah. And he's kind of your main reaper for just going. I'm going to stick four influence on him, and I kind of know what my results are going to be. Whereas yeah. with Windle, with Fallow, etc., you've got to and with, with Bushel, but obviously to a different extent because she's kicking the ball more. But with those specifically with Fallow and Windle, there's an element of sort of setup required, um, mm. or some some other. You can't just go here is four influence, go and do a thing. Um, yeah. th- there's something else that's required beforehand, whether it's often a harvest marker for, like, well, not always for window, I guess, but you want to get the peak efficiency out of him for movement is the harvest mm. marker. And then the same with Fallow, you're kind of having to wait a number of activations. With Amber, you can just go, and we know what I'm going to get out of it. If I just stick four influence on her and go, we'll go with that. And I imagine that simplicity there is going to be something that a number of farm players are going to like if they don't enjoy playing with the with Fallow or with Window. Yeah, no, I really, I really like Amber. I just like the the sort of the toolboxy approach and the fact that I can see games where she gets me a number of takeouts. I could see games where she gets me a number of goals, and that's that's yeah. quite cool to have that kind of reliability. Um, although still greedy in some ways which is always going to be interesting for that you know, how much how much influence dare people not put on Thresher yep perfect lovely lovely let's have a little look at Knuckles then he's an interesting lad not this is possibly the for me was one of the first big surprises in the draft I didn't really expect um, Knuckles to go to the fish uh, mm. and he was also quite a Mister, you know, he was one of the characters which we knew less about in terms of pitch presence than some of the others. You know, we knew his mindset, we knew his backstory, um, and his relationship with Cammy. Um, but aside from a life of violence which had left him scarred, didn't really know how he was going to fit upon the pitch. Aside from being a, a centre back style figure, so is that for you guys? easier then to make knuckles uh, a fish player or does that make it harder for having less to go off it was one that we expected to be difficult to begin with and mm. then once we kind of categorized him into he's going to be the sort of the, the corsair style of player where he is going to be allowed to come in and do damage and because we weirdly because we have now removed all momentous damage from the fisherman team mm. uh, from the club books he was actually easier to design <laughs> because mm. we know what space we're working within in terms of uh coup de gras for instance with with corsair mm-hmm. uh and when, we also want to provide some options for playing him uh without corsair uh, just as you just as you you know want that with kraken as well but if you but that once we'd categorized him that made him quite easy to, well a lot easier to design than we were expecting beforehand mm. um as a side note it's also definitely the the winner of my favorite piece of artwork in all of the free the free oh it's beautiful it's absolutely, absolutely beautiful stunning piece of artwork and as soon as we were talking about him whether he's going to be in the fisherman team or not well, obviously he's gonna have a two-inch man zone what weapon can he have anchor obviously that's gonna be it <laughs> <laughs> swing an anchor at people because that's awesome yeah um, and that was one of those things that was just discussed once. Obviously, no, oh, that's cool. That's a response. We never need to discuss that again. It's going to be an anchor. Done. Done. Move on. Done. I'm really looking forward <laughs> uh, to seeing people's tattoo work on uh, yes. on his back. Um, you know, seeing the, the I forget the name of the, the famous artist, but the wave certainly springs to mind. As so, mm. to have a look at here. Um, heavy tackle. <laughs> That that's going to be fun. I really like the idea of this because presumably um, there's no defence that stops that. I mean, you might have sturdy to prevent the knockdown aspect of it, but you're still losing yep. possession of the ball. 
Yeah, um, it, it gets around it gets around close control. And it, because we knew he was going to be a model that had a decent access to knockdown, we didn't mm-hmm. want him to have the the comedy hammer problem of <laughs> if he's playing against someone that has close control but not sturdy, then he yeah. pick that result and then knock them down without taking the ball off them. We didn't want Knuckles to have that problem mm. um, specifically. Excellent. And, and lots of pushes to fit into the the sumo style of play style that some people enjoy with Corsair. Yeah. Um, the back of his card is quite something. Um, <laughs> the the sort of synergy that close ranks is going to give him with Kraken is very interesting. Backfield presence is terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Just a casual tack eight player when when he's in his own half. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. when he's um, tackling um, attacking someone with the ball. I mean, the other thing as well is that just to, just to pick up on someone else there. This is I'm pretty sure this is the first tactic squaddy that we've put into fish. Okay, um, yeah. and and added to that when you've got the ball he's not tack six he's tack eight yeah <laughs> and uh, just it's, that it's, on its own is pretty it's pretty awesome and even though that's a brand new rule it reminds me of jack it reminds me of that you know was it resolute that he was the first one to have yes. before going yeah. to gutter as well vet gutter sorry um so although these are like brand new things these should be things that fish players are are used to or like that you know, the concept of when under X condition I get a bonus kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you also you also have a little bit of the sort of the footballing orientated granite playstyle with lightning reflexes and close ranks and a pretty nice combination. We know that close ranks is great whenever you've got any kind of capacity to move during the opponent's turn. It can be yeah. a real pain to deal with. Um I'd, I'd add to that resilience so that if he doesn't come into you, he's not you can't just push him away with one attack either. <laughs> no, he's gonna <laughs> be an right. absolute pain. He's gonna be a real yeah. pain to deal with and like Kraken is for me still that just sort of looks like an immediate partnership in the centre of the pitch, just mm. to um, be an enormous pain to either take the ball off or take out. Because um, you know, if I'm going into if I'm engaged by both of them, they're going into Kraken. Uh, I have to attack Kraken, but I'm at minus two dice now because of closed ranks. It's just all kinds of no fun. Love it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> And also, like he, he looks like with resilience as well. One of the first real sort of beneficiaries, or benefi- or beneficiaries, huh, fish, um, oh. of it not being gluttonous mass anymore. Yeah, because like, you know he's not this giant fat lump. He's um, quite a dangerous looking individual. Yeah, he's he's probably more of like your gassed build, where he's quite he's quite a big guy, but he's not he's not um, he's lean he's particularly. Yeah, he's lean. He's not particularly round at all. Yeah. Um. um so. Coming back then to the fish as a whole, is that a sort of, you know, we want to give a little boost to the Corsair-style play style for that sort of grindier football game, for a more controlled football game? What is it that you felt the, um, that the fish were lacking um, or could be expanded upon that Knuckles brings? Well, they, don't, they certainly don't need any more strikers, you know. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, the, 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 when I mentioned before, there are certain design spaces that are closing up a bit quicker than the other than some others. Fish is, I think it's fair to say that Fish are in that bracket where it's a, a little bit more difficult to design players for them because having closed off uh, the having momentous damage on the playbooks at all, that's quite a big thing to take out of you out of a, sure. out of a guild ball team. It's an aspect of the game, um, effectively. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and but we then kind of reopened it for ourselves when we allowed them to have this a bit, a few more takeout options that don't include momentous damage. And you have you can play that with Corsair quite easily when you when you obviously when you've got coup de gras. You could even theoretically play that with Shark if you want to give Shark a bit of a two-two game. Sure. You know that you can take models now that have potential reasonable potential to put into inflict damage and. Um, 
for like takeouts. Uh, mm. You just know it's not going to be momentous, and you kind of accept that as your game plan going into it, and that's a completely valid option that's there for you. Um, and uh, and it was just that is yeah, it's that part of the game that we knew that we wanted to 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 buff up a little bit more. And uh, obviously, it kind of made it straightforward when we know exactly the kind of person and character that Knuckles is coming into the team. It just kind of made it a bit of a slam dunk for us. We know well, we know exactly the kind of character he's going to be. Let's let's build him more around this kind of thing. He, he doesn't seem like the kind of person that's going to come in and suddenly realize he wants to be a striker, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just made a lot of sense for the character to build him in this way. And it just happened to be a place, one of the places within the fish team that we could still build out without giving them, uh, you know, an eleven millionth strike. Okay. <laughs> I could, I can almost hear the disturbance in the in the in the force when you said that fish don't need more strikers. I like Connor is upset and he doesn't know why right now, uh, but I shall have to break it to him slowly. Um, Edge, then. Mm. This is a fascinating lady. I have to admit. Um, yeah. Given Matt's sort of bombshell at. Um, SteamCon that Edge is Skaith's sister. Is there is there then a like a are you almost sort of pushed towards making her Skaithery, if that makes sense? Or um, not so much that particular bombshell. It was, it was I guess it was that in combination with the fact that we'd also said that she's a very skillful football player. Mm. Um, those two elements combined kind of give you this character that we've that we've got in front of us and um this was definitely among the hardest to design of the free shooter draft minis okay um just because it's i don't know, I don't know how to phrase this i guess there are there are, there are constraints that there were constraints that design was coming up against within hunters and at the same time um hunters have already got a reasonable amount of high damage dealing models so we wouldn't for instance yeah. have been able to just make her into a slightly more football digi car because that completely invalidates the design space that Jakar has, where he is yep. a reasonable fighter that just happens to sometimes score goals by the fact that he's that fast, he's up there occasionally. Yep. Um, and it took us quite a bit of time to to determine what, what to do with the model, but in the, in the end, we've, I, think, I think we've come up with something that we're quite happy with overall. Uh, it's it's a, a footballing model in the sense that the Hunters don't have anything quite like this in their mm. other football models, with, either with Veteran Hearn or with... Um, Egret, um, and but but we could also take some of the existing elements of the hunters and throw them into here. Like Mirage, for instance, is a rule I'm really happy with because that's because I've always wanted to oh, sort of re- return. Whilst they're not going to never, they're never going to have as much placement effects to say the, the miners, for instance. There is a reasonable amount of placement effects within the hunters' design space, and mm. we knew that was something we could tap a little bit more into. We played around with whether Edge was going to be a trapper at one point as well. Okay. Um, decided decided against it in the end. But oh, she is with Steeljaw. Hooray! I kind of decided against it, kind of because that was, because Steeljaw was in development. At a you got that time. option, yeah. Yeah, um, so we were just like, well, we, we like to add more trappers to the Hunters team, but we don't need to do that with Edge because we know Steeljaw's coming. Mm. Um, so and it also means that sort of turned away from it. when she is with Steeljaw and she won't have access to anything to make use of Mirage that isn't already on the pitch, she has you know big game traps instead, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Close control was probably the thing that surprised me the most. Like, I think, uh, and I think you know, you've probably played more hunters than me. That this is the first like token defensive tech that the hunters have ever had. That, you know, they've they've not been ones usually for the for the sturdies, the close controls, the stoics, or anything like that. Yeah, not many of them at all. It, I think it was it was a conversation me and Bryce had where we knew that 
without going overboard with it, that more of our, that if we're going to keep designing one inch melee zone football models, then we need to think about whether they're going to have close, whether it's appropriate on a case by case basis for them to have close control or not, just because there are a number of times we've tried to make one inch melee zone models that are concerned with the ball and kind of only don't work because of the prevalence of tackle related counter attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, just messing more, more so than anything else, messing with their influence. Um, because they only have, obviously trying to go for a goal will often be quite influence intensive where they've got to yeah. do dodges, attacks to generate momentum, tackle the ball, etc. And a, a, a counter attack that is as simple as just taking the ball back and making them tackle it again can often be enough to ruin a striker's day. Um, yeah, and so that's, only, that's sort of my and my role as pundit, you know, trying to explain to people that rules like stoic and sturdy and close control aren't there to stop a thing; they're to make it harder. You know, they're, yeah. they're not like a, a no. They're just a, a, a you know, something you use to make that if it influence spend less efficient, and that is in many times all you need for it to be able to do. Yes, I mean, and also more than that, the genesis of the idea of uh, well, it's quite an old idea that it's one of the original things from from the start of Gilball is we didn't want to have many rules that just said no to players. You can't do this, um, which is where we, why we've got so many you can't do this the first time abilities. Because then the intention for there is that. It actually open is it doesn't completely shut off a plan for an opponent that um, mm. you just have to know that you're going to have to sink more resources into getting around it. Yeah. What it should do, hopefully, for the person playing with it, is provide them with more options and that they can they can do a certain thing because they have a limited amount of immunity without completely shutting off that as a counter plan as a counterplay for the opponent. It was mm. the original intention. It's been quite a while since I spoke about that actually, but I think that's still relatively true. Um, and obviously, there are other con- that's that's not even taking into account that people have you know the constraints of resources. So sometimes you're going to choose not to try and knock down a sturdy model just because you can't afford those extra attacks. Yeah. But ultimately, that is a player choice. Uh, is a player choice in how you build your team to have more or less knockdown models or how you make your choice in terms of whether you even attack them in the first place or put your resources somewhere else. Uh, but we're just getting off quite a bit of a tangent there. Uh, oh, no, it's good. Um, it's, it's good to understand sort of the... I mean, I could, I could sit here and you know for two hours and go, this model is cool in a variety of different sentences. And you know, yeah. I will, because <laughs> they are. Um, but also it's interesting to hear like the design philosophy behind them as to what they're trying to achieve. And it certainly makes sense. Yeah. Hunters haven't really had that traditional goal scoring model. They've had models that do it as a byproduct of other things that they're up to. I like uh, whenever I've played Hunters that the models that score goals for me aren't necessarily ones that are banging in shots from miles away like we were just talking about with the farmers, but rather they've got a nine inch move <laughs> and dodges yeah. for days and just happen to end up next to the goal with the ball. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. Um, uh, and spe- speaking of our all out pace, that's where we get another one of these really interesting rules uh, mm. in terms of how she gains extra dodges. Um, <laughs> just because one of the things that we realized we hadn't done for quite a while, and it was, it's, it's always a fun thing to tap back to is we hadn't actually put many new rules into hunters that give the benefit them for attacking something that's snared. snared and that's something I mean, that we did quite a lot originally because of isolated target we haven't done it much since then and we knew it was something else that we'd love to return to and it was and always decided it's always damage well. related yes it was always damage related mm. previously and um and there was something else i was going to say yeah that was it it was when we decided not to make edge into a trapping model but we knew that this could be something that came in as a replacement gotcha. um, <clears throat> and that it, we could tap into that let's allow the hunters to sort of take a bit more control of the snared condition again in that they can get more benefits from it generally than many of their opponents can, sure. um, just as the alchemists can with fire and burning, uh, fire and uh, poison. Sorry, um, mm. 
Anyway, so unorthodox, just throwing you an extra extra dodges in on that on on uh, for whenever you're attacking a snare model. That means you can get some pretty hilarious. Like, what is it? Quintuple dodge dodge results. Uh, sec, <laughs> uh, uh, sextuple is yep. the like the fact that with I mean she needs some help from her sister. Yeah. Um, but with blessing of the moon goddess and winter's night, that against the snared target is a momentous tackle. Dodge, dodge, dodge. Dodge, 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 dodge. <laughs> Which I love it. I absolutely love it. I know. Um, I'm some. I, I imagine this. This might be an area where people just go, "Are you out of your mind, Steamforged?" Um, but the idea of a, I know, like, like Pans has been crying out. He loves Skater. He loves playing Skater. But he's he's been looking for a model to 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 like partner with her in terms of strike. And it's just like, here you go, mate. Like this is. Yeah. This is absolutely ridiculous, but I love Entangle as well. I think that's a that's an amazing result, yeah. Because um, yeah. it's it's going to allow you to snowball snared. Because um, of course it's it's not once per turn. It is off the book. It is momentous. It is a six inch range. It's entirely reasonable for Edge to go into an already snared model, yeah. and then just punch them a bunch of times, um, and throw snared out all over the shop. Well, you could you could chain it along, couldn't you? If you go into yeah. a model that's already snared, you could go in, hit the Mentus to entangle, dodge because they're already snared, target the entangle at your next target, and then jump yep. to them and make your next attack, and then keep doing that, and just keep going and keep yep. going, and then at the end of it all, teleport off into a tree. Yeah, um, <laughs> why not? Because <laughs> what? Because yeah, because why not? Because you haven't you haven't got enough ridiculous activations and hunters. I love it. I think this is really. And the other thing I really like about it is it's not tied to a damage component. Yeah. So it's not like Hunter's Prey on Theron, which, you know, if I damage this model, then X, you know, damage. So, you know, you don't have to, to muck around with tough hide models about whether or not they're attacked by the conditions. It's just a, a handing out of a condition. Um, yeah. So, well, the whole Veteran Hearn's teleporting ability, like Lunar, Lunar Eclipse, sorry, is, uh, that's yeah. tied to damage, I think, still. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Edge on the pitch. If only because she's going to do some absolutely crazy things, and then when I catch up to her, she's going to go down like a sack of potatoes because she's yeah. only yeah. she's only four zero um, with thirteen health. Her double disengage is on three when she's tack four, so you know she's going to do some stupid things, but then she's going to die, <laughs> and I'm fine Basically. with that. Right? Yeah. There's a there's a nice amount of balance there, so uh, yeah, well done. Um, right then, um, back to your guild and mine. Uh, Mr. Gaffer. The main event of the evening. <laughs> Certainly the way my, <laughs> my head works. So, morticians, uh, sort of concentrate on them for a moment. They're, they have always seemed, you know, control heavy, low health, not great kicks, um, and a playbook that is just out of reach of a sweet spot, um, is yep. sort of how I'd always describe the philosophy for gaffer sorry the philosophy for morticians and it certainly seems i, I can i can i can quote i can give you a small quote here from the uh from the morticians um or um the big book o mortician design, design design overview the necronomicon uh, if you will <laughs> yeah yeah that's not bad yeah, well, after, i might rename, rename the page that um <laughs> which is their their playbooks are consistently inconsistent yes <laughs> yeah uh, they always just seem to be if only I had an extra crowd out. If only I was attack five, six instead of attack five, which of course Morn does a great deal to to address, which is one of the reasons I'm a big fan of her because she really turns on their playbooks. Mm. Um, 
I've often been quoted as saying, you know, I always look at the first two columns of a of a uh, of a model to determine what it's principally there for. And with Gaffer, that does I don't think that's really true. Uh, no, not really. Um, cause, all right, but but there are, to... equally, there are some models in the game that are not defined by their playbooks. I think. No, no, sure. Um, that momentous tack on two, nice to see, especially on attack five model, not awful, but it it doesn't really say a great deal about him for me. Um, but I'll ask the same sort of questions that I've asked for the other ones. Is you know what space within the design of the guild are you looking for Gaffer to fulfil? So. Wh- Strangely, within the morticians, they have quite a lot of workhorse models. They do mm. varying specific things, um, but there's there's already quite a lot of models that just go and physically do things in the game. And that was always one of my concerns with the morticians starting out with Guild Ball, is that <clears throat> I never wanted them to turn into a guild that had a ton of tech pieces and no one that actually just goes and plays the game. Yeah. And we've got to a point now with the morticians where they actually have quite a reasonable number of people to just go and play the game. So mm. we can now go and address all of the extra fluffy, silly, controlly, random stuff that they want to do instead. And Gaffer certainly fits into that the more of that archetype. I guess you could say he's a support player, um, if you want to talk in general terms. Mm. Um, and that's why, as you look at his playbook, yeah, he's got a handy, um, such as you are, momentum <laughs> on the on the <laughs> on the first column just for generating momentum. But he's not there for his playbook, really. If he's generating, mm. if he's attacking things, it's probably just to generate momentum, or because you're a bit desperate. But um, he's mainly there for his character plays and his character traits, which are pretty awesome, I think, at least anyway. Yes, um, I don't. Know. I, I do think that push is going to be very, very useful, um, mainly because of Red Fury. Yeah. Um of just you know, nudging if you've got a gaffer, if there's someone just outside of Gast's two inch melee zone and Gaffer can go in and push him in and then Red Fury Gast to 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 attack him or what have you, or that I think is gonna be a very, very useful that push is gonna be incredibly useful in that part. The other one that that sort of comes to mind is if you've you've inadvertently or perhaps foolishly procced casket time and someone's double disengaged away mm. red fury and that push essentially give you the opportunity to hopefully cover that mistake because of course casket time lasts until the end of the turn yep um hopefully that rule should never ever come up and you've casket timed at the right moment but yeah with gaffer you do have something of an out um careless whisper love the name well done um, <laughs> that's going to be a really, you know, it's incredibly powerful ability, particularly as these these wrap turns. You know, they don't drop off. Um, but to either do spends two in, you know two thirds of his possible influence allocation, or require four net hits, or with it getting four inches to hard cast. Careless Whisper seems a very, very difficult play to to get off and to make the most out of. It's it's certainly not going to be um, the thing that Gaffer spends most of his time doing, I would imagine. Um, mm. the, the most often times you'll see Careless Whisper being used, I, I, I suspect, is when um, the morticians have jailed a model and it's the end of a turn. 
um, or or just generally at the end of the turn, because specifically because it wraps the turn, it's a fantastic way of setting up whatever you want to go first with in the following yeah. turn. So that's probably where you'll see it used most. Or perhaps even he's just he's just in range to sort of sprint and throw it at somebody, and you've already won the momentum race. Or the, for whatever reason, the momentum race has already been determined overall, mm-hmm. and you you want you want that there for, to try and get a, your, your leg up in the following turn. Basically, is where I think it's going to be used most. But the majority of the time, I suspect Gaffer's going to be using Red Fury uh, more than anything else, just uh, allowing the morticians to sort of just twist just turn that twist that knife a little bit further when it comes into those um the 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 scrums that they do choose to get themselves entangled within yeah um and the amount of things that you can do that are just a bit silly within within the morticians is just just humorous so you can oh i'll just take six on maskings this turn instead of the usual three (laughs) um you know or or seven memory attacks yeah, perhaps even just, oh, they've actually managed to stand up after I've knocked everybody down with Ghast. I'll just do three more attacks and knock them all down again. Or uh, or I'm going to use uh, Pelage to p- put Singled out on a target she- she's going to hit before she activates. Or I'm going to use Veteran Graves and do Knockdown They Ain't Tough before I do Veteran Graves' activation later in the turn. Mm. Or, or this stuff is very, very useful for using Red Fury. Or perhaps Obulus has got himself into one too many melee zones and you don't quite want to use Unpredictable Movement yet. So I'll just make him do a Red Fury attack to try and dodge away he hasn't activated or etc. There's a heck of a lot of flexibility there which is going to be very different to the way red fury is used within the union where most of the time it's there to just make sure you get those extra kills so um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you bring union up because how 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 difficult a process was it to take a previously captain unique ability and put it onto a squaddy we, it's not the first time that we've done it mm. um and we, but we know that whenever we do it, we have to do it with extreme care and try to make sure that we're doing it to not invalidate that captain model. Um, yes. And I think we've done that reasonably well with Gaffer in the fact that not only does he have the cap of two, three influence, um, and but on top of that, he is also, I think, a very, very easy model to take out in terms of morticians. Yes. And even though morticians have got quite low health pools, you can put model, you can put teams on a table that are quite difficult to get takeouts from. You could have, for instance, uh, Casket, who's got the tough hide, Gast, who's got the fear and rising anger, so he's difficult to get into, and a decent counter attack. Um, Arbulus has some critical movement. You've got Pelage with um, with uh, empathy. empathy. Um, and obviously you can have Morn who can then put empathy onto any model that she likes mm. on her team. You can actually, even though they've got quite low, st- statistically low health pools, you can have a mortician team that's not super easy to get takeouts out of. Um, whereas Gaffer doesn't fit that archetype at all. He is only a 3-1 model with 16 health boxes and that's it. He doesn't have yeah. a good counter attack. He's only got a one-inch man his own. He's going to be someone that if you get him too close to the fight, he will probably evaporate. And he's, um, he's so not he's, got a good counter. Right, he's... he's got a terrible counter. Um, mm. So, so he's someone that you can get a heck of a lot of work out of. But he's probably one of the highest risk reward models that are, that that are in the Morticians Guild. Once that he gets in there, um, mm. outside of perhaps Scalpel, but at least in the squad, he's he's one of the highest risk reward models that you've got option the option to use. Which is gonna he's gonna really he's gonna be really loved by some Mortician players and, and not so much by others. But that's that's also fine because it's it's you know it creates discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Um... The knowledge is phenomenal. Mm. Like I'm a a big big fan of that. The idea of a um, a three eight scalpel um, is quite something. Um, or just you know bonesaw having a three ten kick. Uh, is this sort of that kind of gaffer's background of being a student of the game of you know trying to 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 get more out of those around him rather than sort of doing things himself? 
yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is where most of his abilities have come or have been inspired by that backstory element of him having a bit more knowledge and worldly experience, and he's got these contacts mm. in other places and stuff like this. And um, weirdly, that's kind of where the backstory inspiration actually for Careless Whisper comes from, is this idea that he's actually got friends in different places, friends in mm. both places, shall we say. And someone's gone, oh, this player that you're going to play against has got a bit of a weak knee. And that has an on-pitch representation of Careless Whisper of going, that's the weakness, go and go, go after it. Yeah, told, uh, the, oh. very much when we were sort of em- embroiled in the draft, the, the, the pitch that I made to other Morticians players is I wanted Obulus's spy. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think like careless whisper has really really and the knowledge to it to it to a certain extent has really really encapsulated that in that it's a you know brick's got a dislocated knee from his match last week just go in and you'll 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 do more so i I love the idea of that um he has a legendary play he does for which i will say no more other than thank you uh i have one gilball appreciate that um (laughs) (laughs) um the ability uh, this is where i think careless whisper when you talked about having a jailed model and then um bouncing that around this is where i think careless whisper is really going to see some fantastic use because of course there is no range on it um other than a model on the pitch because it needs to be targeted but if i've got i don't know um a 2-1 model at my feet and i can put a careless whisper token on it and then legendary that off onto a much high value target right in terms of either you know, being a captain or being a, a 5-0 model or something along those lines. I think that's a, a great combination that you know, yeah. you're, you're always going to get use out of. I mean, it's, if, as you say, really, there's so many different things you can do with it. One of the things that I can imagine doing with it quite often is it, it, whatever is my first engagement with the opponent, if they are being quite cagey with their captain, for instance, like Bryce is all the time, you, you, you will never let... Like, I've never casket time Thresher, which is something... <laughs> oh, that, come on. Know, against, against Bryce, I've never casket time Thresher, at least. Mm. Um, and it's because he's very, very good at keeping his captain alive. One of the things he could do with Gaffer is as soon as you engage with any of the farmer's models is stick a Careless Whisper out and then immediately legendary to put it on Thresher and he can't get it off. Uh, mm. And he's got that, he's just got that, that axe that's just like, swinging over his head for the rest of the game that he's got to be even more careful about. Mm. Um, and that, you know, just a huge amount of versatility. And that's, that's we are going to, I know you might feel a, a bit odd about talking about it, but I'm going to, which is the, the name of the, of the play. Now, it's, it works on so many different levels <laughs> because um, obviously we know that we wanted him to be taught, have this idea of people whispering into him, mm. people into his ears. And obviously if people have got the miniature at this point, which they should have seen, I think at least on a render, you'll notice that we've done this this thing that I think is really cool where you've got the sort of spectre of, of what he's meant to be gassed, literally yeah. whispering into his ear. And you can see from the artwork that he's, he's there's a lot of stuff going through his head at once and he's not necessarily there all the time um mm. it might be gas that's suggesting things to him or he's in control or whatever there's a lot of different things bubbling around in that noggin um and so it's it's a really cool thing to represent on the on on the table and on top of that it was just a nice thing to be able to do uh ultimately <laughs> we 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 place quite high value on everyone that is part of the media network and then does all uh, spend so much time um doing podcasts and creating content for Guildball. it's an amazing wonderful thing and uh, it's not a competition ultimately but if the if there was a record of how many hours people have sunk into creating content you'd probably be the person that's put the most <laughs> hours in or at least be up there with the people that have um, oh, because that. the amount of content you've created for the game is wonderful and it was uh, uh, this is a you know small thank you from us for, for doing that well i'm very touched by that and i i look forward um to yeah if for one week only hearing the words a handy listener such as you are on every single guildball podcast um yeah that will be hilarious for me <laughs> um 
I don't do well with compliments, so I'm going to move on quite quickly. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, so with these, the, 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 the models as a whole, and yes, you know, the thing with the ghast over the shoulder is quite funny. The guy that paints my mortician's team, Dom, when he painted them last time, he's like, shall I do ghast as a ghost? And I was like, no, because I have a sneaking suspicion. And, <laughs> and now he gets to paint ghast as a ghost, which is going to be lovely. Yeah. Um, with these all coming out so hopefully by the time that people are listening to this you'll be able to pre-order them or may even have them sort of winging their way to you I'm not quite sure how the timing is working what's I'd be remiss of me not to ask but what is the plan going forwards in terms of the remaining rookies so the intention for for that uh, is that they will be timed uh, similarly to or as close to as possible the release of the legacy teams. So okay. what we've done with this release is we've kind of done a bit of catch up in that we've already got these legacy teams out there, yeah. mortician's hunters, etc., already out in the open. So we've wanted to make sure we caught ourselves up with. And then as the rest of the legacy teams are releasing, then you should see, be seeing their free city draft model coming along a very similar time. And that's that allows us to uh, one of the things that we one of the things that we've definitely not done as well this year with Guild releases is uh, we had a very quiet period in the first few months and then we had March which was just nuts and then we <laughs> went quiet again after that um, which is not something that I personally am a fan of at all and it's not obviously not something that's ideal it, it is we want to keep a much more consistent release cycle so that's something that we can do for the rest of the year it's again it, people will possibly be a little bit disappointed that they're not all out at once but at the same time it's also nice to make sure that people have got something new to talk about. Mm. Over, constantly consistently i guess um also those of us that collect everything it means i'm not paying out for 11 guild new guild models in one go i yeah, can sp- sp- i can spread my budget out hopefully yeah uh but but it means that we we've got um we've got releases coming out now for the rest of the year in addition to other things as well we've got the rest of the captains to do and obviously the rest of the legacy teams themselves and it just means that guild ball will have from this point onwards a more consistent release cycle for the remainder of the year rather than this being sort of this enormous dump of information and silence because nobody really enjoys that um it's just not good for anybody at all Perfect. so uh so yeah that's that's what it is they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna try and be timed similarly to similarly to maybe not the exact same as but similarly to their as their, close um, as you can legacy team yes because i imagine contrary to popular belief you guys want all of your toys out as quickly as possible as well <laughs> yeah i mean it's, there's the, the, i'm not gonna you know talk, <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rehash the video that Loxon made recently um which i think explained a lot of that stuff quite well overall Absolutely. um but ultimately we want people to be able to play with their toys we want people to just keep loving guild ball uh, and you know it's the legacy teams are going to be out. I think the the plan that we talked about is that they're going to be out by the end of the year, and that's looking like, as far as everything that I can see, and I work in the same room as the project managers, that all seems to be on track at the moment, which is great. Um, and, you know, we want that. If it could happen any sooner, it would be happening sooner. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. We are where we are. Perfect. No. Jamie, lovely. Thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat with me today. Uh, very much looking forward to seeing these new rookies on the pitch. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, we appreciate the the insight, sort of the peek behind the developer curtains, uh, and hopefully everyone have these models in their hands soon. Lovely. Well, th- thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. I hope this has been enjoyable, and no doubt we will have more content just as there's more to show you. And as ever, handy viewer, so handy listener, such as you are, I need a better outro. Oh my God, Becky, look at his beard. It's just so weird. Oh, they're